0: In a country that is low on financial literacy, equities, ESOPs can be quite confusing for someone who has been offered some or has an opportunity to take them up. In collaboration with Equity List by AngelList India, we bring you this episode which gives you the basics of ESOPs, its tax structures in India and some must-knows about these important financial terms. In this episode, I speak to Sahil Talwar who is the head of customer success at Equity List. Prior to Equity List, Sahil was part of Squad Inc., where he soon realized his love for building a customer success-driven organization culture. With roots in business operations, Sahil went on to head the process of customer success for India and U.S. at Squad before leaving to join EquityList List earlier this year. Sahil firmly believes that a company's entire culture should reflect a customer-first approach from product building to delivery, building and maintaining cordial relationships with customers, business partners that pave a strong path for growth. This is such a curious episode for me to learn about equities and its basics. Hope you learn them along with me. This is the Hayawati Podcast and you are listening to your host, Mathurik. I talk to makers, entrepreneurs, designers, and product managers to uncover their career journeys and learn more from them. Hi, Sail, Thank you so much for taking the time and like, coming to the High Show. Especially this episode is all about equities, and you know, we, we as designers and product managers who work a lot in startups have no clue about any of these stuff. So I wanted right. to like ask expert opinion from you because you have written one of the good blogs that I've seen out there and equity list as well. So can we know where to get started? Like, are there some basics, concepts that we should understand before we get into it?
1: Sure. Uh, First of all, thanks for having me, Madhuri. Uh, I mean, uh, to start off, I I, I understand how it's a challenge for employees to understand what ESOPs really mean and how they add value uh, to them, both both, uh, monetarily and, you know, in other terms. Uh, that's always been a con- confusion for employees i mean i when I started my journey uh working for startups uh it was it was a problem for me as well then I read about it uh the initial the first few companies when they offered me so I had no clue uh what they really mean how they're gonna add value to me um, why am I even being you know of why am I being offered a pay cut just because i'm being offered an east or grant in place of it so so all of those questions do pop up and uh especially in India I feel there's uh there's a gap in uh, the amount of knowledge that is transferred from company to their employees uh about how they work so happy to talk about that excited to talk about that uh I've written a few things uh just so that uh, employees can have more information on things but uh, let's let's take take them through it Um, cool. So, I mean, starting off uh, ESOPs, I mean, full form of, starting off from the full form of it, uh, ESOP stands for uh, ESOP or ESOS, uh, really, Employee Stock Option Plan uh, or Scheme. Uh, those are the most general terms that you will hear in every startup uh, whenever, you, whenever you hear an extra part of your compensation being offered to you. Uh, every company, what they, do, what they do is they set aside an options pool which is a percentage of the total number of authorized shares that they have within the company, which is usually 10 to 15% of the total pool. Uh, now, the employees uh, employees are offered, pool, uh, offered their shares from this particular pool itself. Um, so think of options as a form of securities. They have a certain set of rules and regulations uh, surrounding them, uh, surrounding the buying, selling, transferring, and taxation around them. Uh, So it's important, right, to to understand how they really work and uh, how they're going to impact you because it's not just that, you know, it's an extra form of compensation. It's also, uh, think of it as any other form of investment where you will also have to, you may also have to put in money. There are some forms of eSOFs which do not require you to put in any initial amount of money also. They are known as banking stocks, but we'll talk about them later. Um, So the few things that you should know really is... uh, that you need to go through your eSOP grant and eSOP scheme very carefully before you sign anything because uh a lot of companies uh have uh, clauses which which bind you or uh, which which terminate your vesting at the uh at your termination and you need to make sure that you know such such terms are not there. you need to make sure that the terms of your eSOP scheme are really friendly to you um so you feel comfortable accepting it right um Whenever you're offered uh, ESOPs, you are essentially being offered the right to exercise the option to buy a company's shares. You're not directly being offered shares, so it's a long-term investment per se, and uh, it's it's a heavy risk investment. So you need to you need to make sure that you are on track and you are completely updated about what they really need. Um, Got. It. Yeah. So yeah, I mean uh, that's that's those are the basics of it. Uh, we can talk about uh, anything in detail that that you, yeah. that you want to pick from there, yeah.
0: Yeah, like, like you mentioned, right, like we have a set of things that the company wants to offer its employees and kind of like have uh, this thing. And we uh, a lot of people that I have, uh, you know, kind of interacted with have accepted the terms and conditions of ESOPs without really understanding right. how, why, what, and, you know, when they can actually leverage those ESOPs. Um, so, is there something that I should know, even more granular, in terms of like, okay, if uh, there are conditions one, two, three, I should not accept it. Something like that that okay. I can consider. Yeah.
1: Okay. Um, from the uh, from the top of my head, uh, you you need to you need to read about uh, the expiry terms of your ESOP. You need to make sure that you have enough time. To make a decision to exercise those esops that you have vested in you after working let's say let's say you work for a company for three years uh you were offered a, so a, and you know a percentage of uh, options uh at, on your date of joining so over the course of three years you will have uh, se- almost 75 percent of it vested in you uh you need to make sure that you have enough time to make a decision to make a buying decision of those esops uh because uh, just after three years, the company may not be exiting, may not be doing an IPO. So a lot of people think that they need to exercise and buy the shares and keep them, keep them uh, with them so, so that, you know, at the time of exit, they can sell it at, uh, at, at an increased price or uh, the SMB at that time. But uh, when you exercise options uh, at an early date, uh, you end up paying taxes twice. So those things, uh, so that is one thing uh, you need to make sure of, uh, you need to make sure that you have enough time to think that you want to pay money now to uh, invest in that, in those particular shares. Uh, That is one thing you need to make sure that uh, there are no precarious terms around your termination. That is, if you leave the company do your your vested options stay with you, uh, what is the time period for which they stay with you? Uh, all of those questions uh, should be should be answered fairly, and because some companies, what they do is they uh, they cancel the vested options as soon as the person leaves the company, even if it's not because of an unfair reason or, or uh, you know for a fraudulent case. So all of those things need to be made sure of uh, before signing it. Uh, one thing uh, one thing which which people often miss out is uh, and and I've been seeing ever since we started onboarding people on equity List, is that companies have started offering grants to employees uh, even before they have an ESOP scheme in place. And uh, the underlying terms of an ESOP grant are, are mentioned in the ESOP scheme itself. So how can you really start offering grants to employees when there are no terms to define it? Uh, so if you're joining a new place and you're being offered ESOP, so make sure that you, have, you don't just have the ESOP grant letter, you also have the ESOP scheme and you, are, you can read through all the terms and conditions. Uh, also, another thing is that if you don't have an ESOP scheme in place, if the ESOP scheme has not been authorized yet, uh, your options cannot really start getting vested unless that scheme has formulated. So let's say um, I, so let's say I join a company today, uh, and uh, the ESOP scheme gets formulated three months later, right? So my options will start getting vested only at the start of the ESOP scheme date or the ESOP authorization date. No, um, yeah. no right. So so yeah. people end up losing a bunch of their vesting period because of that. Yeah. There are there are ways to solve this. EquityList helps you do that uh, through compression of vesting and all of that. Mm-hmm. But uh, that all I mean, I, I, in some way or the other, uh, the employees are at loss. For let's say uh, the company leaves the, So let's say I leave this company one year from today, from when I joined, thinking that my cliff period is over, I, I should have twenty five percent of my options vested. But uh, the ESOP scheme got formulated three months later, so none of the options would get vested because the cliff date would happen three months later from my leaving yeah. the company.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. got it. So, essentially, being aware of uh, what you're getting into is much more important than you know, just like hey, um, I've got some stocks and that's about it. There's more definitely. to it, and definitely that. Yes, definitely. I, think, a lot of sense.
1: I, I think there's uh, there's there's just like this, uh, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, the the kind of uh, information that is being transferred from companies to employees about ESOPs is very minimal. Uh, the kind of visibility that employees have, especially in India, uh, on ESOPs on on their vested units, is really uh, is really low. They have no idea how much their ESOPs are really worth today um, after three years of working for the company, uh, even when the company has raised two rounds. So the so the share price is definitely increasing, but the employees don't really know what's happening
0: yeah that, that is a lot of uh, people's cases like like uh, from the very small startup to the one that are in the unicorn startups right the employees mm-hmm. do not understand what and where their stocks are actually yielding them benefits especially i think it goes back to finance basic basics and understanding how do stocks work and all of those things while that is a different topic of its own um, nice. like how right when it's such a big topic where you kind of like understand okay how does business work and how does you know shareholding work and how how do you know people actually definitely. understand these things right?
1: definitely uh, because i mean options in themselves are are a form of securities are a form of complicated securities i would say i mean they have a bunch of uh, rules surrounding them uh, surrounding every step of from their buying to selling transferring and everything right esops are a special form of options which are which basically implies that uh, uh, the shares of the com- the shares of the company are being offered to the employees in exchange of their service at a discounted rate than anyone else in the market, that right? Is uh, on, on on a yeah. on a particular future date on a promised future date. That's right. Uh, now, yeah. options already has a set of rules and regulations surrounding them. ESOPs have an additional set of rules surrounding them. So it's really important that you read through the terms and conditions very. Uh, carefully before signing anything uh, because I I know a lot of people who uh, who didn't do that and, and they didn't really see what was coming so yeah
0: I, I totally get that and I've seen a lot of friends go through this I've seen uh, people who joined TCS and you know left it after 25 years being able to vest their options right like to sell it off yeah. and get the money as well yes um, so in, in a volatile market like startups, right, like where mm-hmm. you don't know if, uh, you know, startups basically are on a clock, you don't know if they're going to exist or, you know, you don't know if it's going to go away right. or if you don't know if it's going to get acquired and your things change over a period of time. So how do you deal with it in uh, certain situations like this, right? There's no certainty. So how do you get some certainty in these aspects?
1: Um, there's definitely no certainty. I I, I mentioned earlier also. That, I mean, these are long-term, high-risk, volatile securities. You don't know what's going to happen. You really don't know what's going to happen to your ESOPs or the worth of your ESOPs when the company hits the public market, or if yeah. the company gets acquired by another company. Uh, these are private valuations that define the fair market value right now, or or in every funding round. These are all private valuations done by venture capital firms who are investing in the companies. Um and all that. So so that's that's I mean, that's all notional value according to me. The actual value will only be known once the company actually gets acquired for an appreciated price or the company gets listed on a public platform or on a public stock exchange uh at an appreciated price, at, at an appreciated share price. So only then you know for sure that you know the company did well. Uh, Until then, no matter the amount of funding that the company gets uh, at higher valuations, I mean, uh, unless and until your company offers you a private buyback, uh, you're in luck, but uh, otherwise you will just have to wait for the company to exit and uh, see if you made any money out of it.
0: Got it. It's mm-hmm. definitely high risk, high returns. That's, that's definitely, definitely,
1: actually. and that's why a lot of companies what they do is they restrict exercising options to an to a liquidity event, so that employees do not have to really uh, pay money out of their own pockets for exercising the options. So what happens is when you exit the com- when the company exits and you exercise your options, then um, the whatever costs and taxes get deducted from the from the current. Valuation and the current selling price of yours, and you just get the profits in hand, right? So in that case, you your your costing and everything gets adjusted right to, right there, and uh, you don't really have to shell out money. That is if the FMV comes out to be greater than uh, your excise price, which is, which okay. is hopefully the case for I mean, uh, which people are really hopeful for. <laughs> yes, uh, that's that's our the
0: hope, plan, right? Get, the we put in the work and we make sure we get eight x or ten x returns, always yeah. ROI. Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Makes sense. So, what are the different um, stock, uh, you know, ESOPs that are existing in the market that I should be aware of, right? Before you know, actually wondering, okay, is this ESOP really for me? Okay. Um, um
1: broadly, I mean, in India, I've seen uh, com- companies using broadly two kinds of ESOP policies or uh, or employee stock or stock policies. I w- I would say. Uh, one of them is the common one, ESOS, which I mentioned, uh, employee stock option scheme. Uh, general things, uh, basically the promise of, uh, so these are basically, uh, how do I explain it? Give me one second. Okay. Uh, so think of it, uh, as a promise from the company to the employees, uh, to offer, you know, offering them an option to purchase the shares of the company at a discounted rate on a future date, right? Uh, so that's that's ESOS or ESOPS. Um, what happens is the options are granted under the plan uh, and they confer a right, but not an obligation on the employee to purchase these stocks on a future day. Uh, stock options uh, are subjected to vesting over the years. So that means the, the, the employee has to work for a certain number of years to uh, have those shares vested in them or have those options vested in them. And only after that, they are able to exercise those uh then there are uh, then there are units like restricted stock units or uh, esars or employee stock appreciation rights which are basically uh which are basically a promise of uh you know a cash payment against the appreciation of the company's shares over a specified duration so let's say i'm offered uh let's say i join a company today and uh, i'm offered uh, esars worth of 1 lakh piece uh, which come out to be 100 units, let's say, and uh, so that means that one unit, one ESA unit per day, is worth a thousand rupees. Um, so what happens is if uh, and and the vesting will happen in the same way as it happens in the form in in the case of ESOPs. Uh, let's say my vesting is uh, one year cliff, and uh, the rest is distributed over the next three years after that. So four years total vesting. Uh, what's gonna happen is uh, after the fourth year, when all of my all of my ESAs are vested. Uh, the company's share price is raised to 5,000 rupees per share. Uh, at that time, I will not be given the option to purchase the shares of the company to become a shareholder in the company. Instead, I will be given an option to get the cash payment against those 1,000 shares or, or those 100 shares that I was promised initially, uh, which will be 5,000 rupees per share now. So I will not have to pay any money from my end. This is really convenient for employees and uh I will just get the money out of it, and I'll have to pay tax similarly as we do in the case of ESOPs, which is on the difference between the fair market value on the date of uh, on the date of payment versus what was the price of the share when I was offered those shares.
0: So three major broad categories: right. uh, one is definitely the ESOPs, and the other is um, restricted stock units (RSUs). Stock appreciation rights, which is the phantom right. stocks, as
1: you have mentioned right. earlier. Right. Phantom stocks. Uh, so talking about restricted stock units, really, uh, that's uh, think of it as uh, you know uh, the employees are really awarded with the right to receive shares on a predetermined date, subject to occurrence of a specified event or you know a fulfillment of a particular condition. So there again, uh, there again, people, uh, employees do not have to pay anything to acquire those shares. They're just awarded those. So let's say I'm, let's say I join a company today. I say that uh, I will, my my job will be to ensure that uh, the company's revenue becomes one million dollars ARR by next year, the same date this year, uh, right? Uh, so if that, if I achieve that, if that happens. Only then I will, or then I will directly awarded those shares, and I will not have to pay anything against them. Ah, okay,
0: okay. So it's nice. kind of a late gratification option, Late gratification kind of like, and yeah. like sort of, yeah.
1: a, sort of, a, uh, think of it as uh, an award. Think of it as uh, an appreciation prize of sorts. That if you achieve this, you will get this much, but in the form of shares, not in the form of cash, as it is in the case of stock appreciation rights.
0: Got it. Um, now mm-hmm. that I know that there are various types of uh, you know op- offerings given to employees what is mm-hmm. a typical percentage offered to startup employees I know that there is a difference between how it is offered in startup to a right. corporate say an Amazon or say something like you know a basic startup that started up 3 years ago and is right now raising funds right okay so what would be a typical percentage um here and uh, with the startup and what would be a typical percentage with something like amazon is it responsibility driven is it is there some difference between how uh, people approach this Uh, just i want to know a peek of this thing Mm -hmm.
1: Um, so the percentage of equity that is offered to employees i mean largely varies on uh, varies amongst the companies and it it usually depends on uh, uh, the designation of the employee that is being, who is being offered, uh, ESOPs and, uh, you know, how the, how is the founder mindset on uh, how they decide how much to give to whom. Um, generally employees at the top of the hierarchy of, uh, you know, the top of the organization hierarchy will be offered more ESOPs than the ones who are just starting out, right? Uh, they're not, uh, they're not any hard and fast rules around it. Uh, I would say, but, uh, and because I've seen a lot of people having different set of, different set of rules, uh, on how they decide who gets, who gets ESOPs in the first place. And, uh, after that they decide, uh, you know, who gets how much. So let's say some companies have this policy that, uh, ESOPs will be offered to people only after they've stayed with them for a year. They will not be some companies offer ESOPs on the date of joining itself. Um. Another another rule would be, for example, uh, let's say uh, I saw this in another company where uh, what they do is, if if somebody, let's say I'm being I'm being uh, hired as a project ma- as a product manager, let's say, and my market hiring price comes to be around 15 lakh rupees or my asking price is 15 lakh rupees per annum, uh, the company says that we only have budget to pay you 10. How about we give you some ESOPs in exchange? Um, I mean, this per if if. This person wants to ask for ESOPs. They can easily ask for ten lakh rupees worth of ESOPs as well. That is twice the difference between the asking price and the uh, and the and the offer that is being made. So that is one way where you can where how employees can really uh, negotiate. I would say, um, but I, again, it. I mean um, there are so not really saying that it no cost depends depends rules around yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, it okay. if you're if you're being offered those, yeah. it depends a lot on your negotiating skills as well as how much you are able to get out there. Because again, these are long-term securities, so it's okay to ask for more because it's going to take time for them to mature, it's going to take time for them to produce results for you. So it's okay to ask for a considerable amount so that you feel secure in working for the company so that you feel that you are motivated enough to work for the company. And you you can always justify it by saying that
0: Got it. Um. So if here the startup where um people usually have some kind of leverage to ask that because it's a small thing and probably responsibility is more. But in established right. places, it's not really that way, right? It's dependent on band, it's dependent on leadership, etc. So how right. do you know uh, how much is right in that setup?
1: Right. I mean, uh, I, I think it's the opposite. I, I think it's the opposite because. Uh, in 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 established companies like Amazon, there's already a there's already a hierarchy which is established. They they must already have uh, people who are managing this particular function separately. So they would already have things standardized. If a new person joins on so and so level, they will get this much equity only, and so on and so forth. Right. Uh, while in startups, uh, you can always negotiate more. Uh, because initially people are hired for managerial or leadership roles, so that is that is always uh, uh, that is always uh, like like you know you have an edge uh, there to ask for more um, for example uh if you're somebody who who's in their initial phase of working with startups uh, is that you always know that you know they will try and uh, save out on some cash while offering you the job. So you can always ask for a considerable amount of peace upside. Uh, with established companies, I don't think it's that much possible. They will already have a standard structure in place. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm always up for, I'm always for the idea of negotiating for more. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's completely onto a person's uh, abilities on how much they can sell themselves for
0: got it um, mm-hmm. that makes a lot of sense yeah, yeah. um now uh, we understand how it happens in different different setups now if there comes a time where i want to give away you know my stocks and get the money right either mm-hmm. i put it back into and i want to exercise my option that's what the technical term is right am right. i liable to pay taxes for this obviously yes I, I i know it's yes but i don't know how it is in india so i want to make understand this part more
1: Right. Um, taxation is really tricky in terms of ESOPs um, in India or just anywhere else. Uh, in India, especially because uh, there are multiple case scenarios that arise, right? Uh, because, uh, okay, to just, to give you, uh, just to give you an idea, in India, there's, it's mandatory for every company to have a one-year cliff in their ESOP scheme. That means none of the, none of the options can get vested for any employee immediately or uh, before the first year of the grant date right so that's one thing uh, so none of the none of the vesting can start before the first year um uh, there's a minimum duration over which the over which the esops have to vest which is 2 to 3 years um so all of those all of those combined uh, after the cliff you can exercise your options even if the company hasn't exited but in that scenario you will have to uh pay taxes twice uh and uh, if if you just directly, as I mentioned earlier, also right, if you exercise during a liquidation event, you only have to pay your taxations once ta- taxing once. Uh, so think of it this way, right? You are offered uh, you're offered an ESOP grant. Uh, let's say you're offered hundred units uh, at ten rupees per unit uh, on first July 2020. Uh, so the first vesting uh, can only happen on first July 2021. Uh, if you decide to start it, to exercise on that date itself, whatever whatever vested vesting happened on that date, let's say 25%, or 25 units got vested, so you can uh, exercise those shares then. But on th- on on but on that date you uh, on that date the share price went up from 10 rupees to uh, let's say 100 rupees. So that 90 rupees becomes a taxable income and gets taxed at your uh, usual income tax lab. Uh, When Uh you when you exercise them, right? Uh, But if you if you let's say you hold them uh, now, you've purchased them and you've held them for a longer duration. uh, The company hasn't exited. The company is still private. You will have to pay a long-term capital gains tax on that as well, which is twenty percent on the total income. So let's say after six years, seven years, you think of selling all the options that you've bought or you have vested or have exercised. You think of selling them, and the share price has grown to a thousand rupees. Uh, earlier, you paid tax on the ninety rupees already, so that's sorted. But thousand uh, minus hundred, nine hundred rupees still become taxable. So twenty percent on that again becomes a taxable event. Uh, in a similar way, if the company gets listed on a public uh, stock exchange by by the end of six years, then your long-term capital gains get nullified because there are there are not there are no tax liabilities on the long term gains of public listed companies so it's a it's a list of rules as i said uh, i can i can share a table with you which clearly explains how this really works and maybe you can you can add that in the link or you can share that with people separately
0: certainly yes i'll add it for people to refer in the uh, podcast description so they can just go ahead and look into it that's awesome. definitely that yeah um that um one interesting question that I had uh, through mm-hmm. this process was um, if you, when you mentioned private right when right. when you mean it's private do you mean like um, there are private sh- uh, stakeholders for this company no VC funding or any of those things or uh, do you mean something like it's a bootstrap startup right what is is there a difference or am I just uh, looking more deeply into this granularity um so
1: I mean, private, private company, private listed companies are are any startup. Think of any startup who has raised money or not raised money. But basically, uh, a private limited company is a private listed company, uh, a company which is not treated as a public limited company or is not traded on a public stock exchange is a private limited company or a private listed company. So the valuations for these companies are... Uh, are taken out by uh, the VC funds or the other investors who are investing in these companies, um, and these are all private events. These are all done exclusively for them. Um, these are not publicly. This is not a publicly available information. Also, so that is something that you know that you mean by private companies. The the okay. information, the share price, the mm-hmm. valuations, the recent investments, the granular details of those stay within the people who have a stake in it, it's not a public, yes. it's not public yeah. information, yeah.
0: Yeah, got it. Um, so this clears out a lot of questions and um, definitely I understood the taxation part, the different types of ESOPs that are offered and, you know, the, the various aspects that are involved in these things. Um, now coming to the ROI part, which is the vesting part, right? And how does that work? Like, should I submit paperwork? And like, what is, is there a physical process that I have to do? Or is there more like, okay, this is all, I just have to, you know, how does it work overall? That's uh, one of the questions that I had.
1: Okay. Um, Not really. I mean, you'd not have to really do anything uh, once you've accepted the grant letter. Right. Um, So think of it this way. You're not offered shares, whenever you're offered ESOPs, you're not offered shares directly, but the opportunity or the option to buy the shares of your company. Uh, however, even that option to buy is not immediately available to you. As I mentioned, there's a one year cliff and then there's a vesting period. So, that vesting period basically means that over the years of you working with the company, a portion of the total grant size, so let's say the 100 units that we are taking example of, a portion of those 100 units will keep on getting vested in you. That vesting basically means they become available to you for buying or the yes. option to buy becomes available to you. Uh, mm-hmm. You are given the unvested options initially, then these vest in you. When they vest in you, you can, you can buy them if you want by paying the excise price and the taxes on the appreciated value. Uh, the number of years over which your options are vested are, is known as your vesting period, which is decided by the founders or the board members of the company, uh, the most common vesting period in India is vesting uh, over four years with a one-year clip. The clip means you have no options during that during that one year. Right, Gosh. you have nothing. If you leave before that one year, you will you will have nothing. After that clip period ends, it's up to the company to decide uh, how the vesting of how you know how the further vesting is going to take place. It can be monthly, it can be uh, it can be biannual, it can be quarterly, it can be annual, anything um yeah yeah i mean uh uh so the cliff is basically a way of incentivizing and and on the cliff really the first the first best thing which really happens is 25 generally it is 25 percent at the end of one year it's basically a way of incentivizing your uh, continued stay at the company for the next year at the minimum
0: yeah yeah that Mm -hmm. makes a lot of sense yeah um, this, I think we've covered this particular question of you know what happens when your company exits or becomes an IPO but is there right. something that I should be aware of um, when this particular it just happens like for example um, say that uh, Uber Eats has been bought over by Zomato or right. Facebook bought over WhatsApp and Instagram like right. what happens in that particular scenario is there some nuance I should be aware of. Right.
1: Not really. It's it's very much similar to what happens during an IPO. Uh, so there's a there's a share price which is set when when the initial public offering happens, depending on the demand that you receive from the first time it goes public, right? Uh, now, when when an acquisition happens, it's done on it's it's more secure. I I would say, right? Because it's done on a on a decided upon share price, and these are still private listed shares. These are not public listed shares. So when, when, when Zomato bought Uber Eats, Uber Eats was not listed on a public stock exchange. So any, any valuation that happened within that deal was all private. So I'm pretty sure uh, that, they, that they sold on an appreciated value. And uh, the employees whosoever owned some, um, some of the shares or some of the options uh, got a good paycheck out of it. So, I mean, uh, when, when the acquisition happens, that's, again, a private affair. That's, that's within the two companies being involved there. When the company IPOs, that's a public affair. Uh, everybody knows how much it is being sold out for. And, and people can get involved. People can buy shares. If it's an IPO, if it's an acquisition, uh, that may not be the case.
0: God, uh, that makes a lot of sense um, for me. I'm, I'm a rookie. So like me, there are many rookies. So the, uh, this, the details help us out in kind of figuring out many of these uh, nuances that go around right. in the financial world, right? right. Um, so that reminds me of another question, which is called buyback, right? What right. is a buyback? And this is something yeah. that you keep hearing saying that, okay, I became an overnight millionaire because of my company doing buyback shares. And I want to understand this phenomenon
1: a little more. Sure. Uh, So, buyback is also known as a secondary sale. Um, What happens is, uh, let's say, uh, the company is doing well. And they're seeing uh, regular good revenue, uh, increasing revenue month on month. And they think that uh, they want to pay off their employees in a better way. And they also want to reward their employees. So, what they do is... uh, all the employees, which who have uh, some of the options vested invested for them already, they give them an option to sell their shares back to the company itself or to a new entering investor, right? Uh, now this investor or the company will buy these shares from the employees at the uh, you know at a price which at a price uh, which is applicable today, right? Uh, which is called the fair market value or the F M V. Uh, the exercise price always remains lower than the FMV. So let's say people had their grants at an exercise price of 10 rupees. The company agrees to do a buyback at 1000 rupees. They are able to make a profit of 900 rupees per share. And, uh, the, the rules are, are same as, as any other exit policy, right? I mean, whenever, uh, so if you, if you're selling the, selling off these shares, you'll have to pay a tax. You'll have to pay a tax on the profits that you made, which is the FMV minus the strike price that you're that you're paying so it's very much similar to what what happens during an IPO or uh, what happens during uh, an acquisition by another company just like think of it in a way that your company is buying those back for you from you just so that they can pay you some money
0: yeah that makes sense again and again a bu- private,
1: a buy yeah, back. I'm yeah. sorry to cut you off there but buyback again is a private affair mostly this is done and before the company goes does an IPO yeah understood yeah mm-hmm.
0: But it's certain that everything uh, there is taxes. End of the day, yes. <laughs> all is said <started> is taxes.
1: <laughs> yes, I mean taxes. Taxes do take up make up a lot of the portion of what you earn. So it's important that you have uh, you know complete clarity on uh, clarity on taxes before you make a decision to buy the shares, really. Because let's say you let's say at the end of the cliff you ended up uh, buying those shares you say that let's exercise them because uh, I'll have to pay lesser tax right now because the valuation is lesser right now. So the difference between the price and FMV will be lesser. But you do not think that at the end of it, when you'll have to pay, when when you'll have to sell these shares, you'll have to pay a tax again. And there's also a chance that uh, the company may completely tank and you may end up making nothing and you may, you will end up losing the money that you invested essentially in by while purchasing these shares also so it's really important to think of all these things before taking a step
0: yeah so it's crucial we covered the entry part which is like you getting offered e and um, we covered the in-between part which is um we getting the you know a chance to buy back or you know a chance right. to invest our stocks how about exiting me exiting the company right does it still stay in my name can i transfer it how would that particular situation happen
1: Okay. Um, so, again, so I, m- I mentioned this uh, in the very beginning of the podcast also. I mean, uh, yeah. the, you have to make sure that the policy has a lenient expiry time, uh, a lenient uh, exercise period. The exercise period basically refers to the time until which you still have the right to buy those shares. Uh, some companies offer uh, five years after you, ex- you exiting the company So even if you if if you leave the company today, you have some options vested in you. You have five years to decide whether you want to exercise these shares or not. If you do not end up exercising your options uh, by the end of those five years, those will not be available to you. They'll be gone. Uh, So you have to so you have to have those terms uh, on your fingertips. You know how much time you have, uh, how much in how much time does it get expired? Uh, So all of that is important. Uh, they do stay in your name. the the most minimum exercise period that uh, I think companies can give in India is 90 days. Um, so you have a minimum of 90 days to decide whether you want to exercise the vested shares that you have or not. Got it. Um,
0: mm-hmm. So it, it essentially, I do have an option, but it's uh, it's a 90-day trial kind of period that I have to finish it by then after my uh, terms. After uh, your
1: exit, after your exit from exit. the company.
0: Go but go there's,
1: also, there's also a scenario where, uh, I mean, a lot of companies do this. They try to track or they try to control, uh, the, control the ownership of shares in the company. So they have precarious terms around this, around the, around the termination of employment. Uh, some companies put in clauses which uh, enable them to cancel any form of vested options uh, that an employee may have after their termination um some companies uh don't do don't are not are not really that harsh so what they do is only if you're leaving the company because of a fraudulent case only then those uh, vested options will get cancelled any unvested options uh, after your termination anyways get cancelled if you pay. Got it. got yeah. it
0: that, that makes a lot of sense mm-hmm. um at uh, what particular point that I, uh, as an investor, would actually make sense? You've answered this in a particular instance saying that, you know, um, it's anybody can actually take it after the cliff period is definitely over, right? Because you kind of like have this. Right. So, what are the other things that I can actually say that, you know, um, there could be some signs saying, okay, the value has been appreciated. So is that the right time to in? So that's, I I just wanted to know if there's some markers that I have to look at.
1: Those markers really uh, depend on, you know, how much, uh, so how many funding rounds the company has raised or, uh, you know, what the valuation is currently, which is generally not shared with the employees. Uh, so, this is, this is something that EquityList helps in also. Um, we have an employee dashboard dedicated for every employee and their grants, and they can keep a check on uh, how each of their grant is doing, how many options amongst each of the grants have been invest, vested, how much are they worth today based on the latest funding round that happened. Because some or the other appreciation happens in every funding round. But that appreciated share price is generally not shared with the employees. Uh, Equity list enables that, so it's easy for companies to share that appreciated share price with with employees through there. And you can keep a check uh, as uh, to how the how your vested options or how your pool of vested options are really appreciating. So you can make a calculated decision. Uh, we also have uh, like a playground of sorts where you can play around with values and see at what marker you would. Think of making a buying decision. Let's say you say that the company grows 40x. Uh, this is uh, my my option grant value will become this much, and this is when I will decide to buy the company. So you can keep a marker there. Uh, so these are these are right now missing. I would say in the Indian uh, startup ecosystem, in a way, yes. because uh, maintaining so much visibility is also not easy for the company side. Uh, how do you show everybody how much their ESOPs are worth? So we built a tool around that. So where you just need to fill in the latest, you know, the, the share price according to the latest funding round and all the values get updated automatically so the employees can keep a check on all of it. Yeah. Right
0: yeah, that, I think that will help out a lot of people, especially somebody who is part of, say, a unicorn startup, like, say, Postman or something like that. Definitely. Right. Because Definitely. That product, right,
1: that's And and confusing. with a with company growing... Uh, in in team size, uh, it's de- it definitely becomes a challenge uh, me- me- because as usual already everything is uh, being maintained on Excel sheets and spreadsheets, so uh, which which is really cumbersome with with growing team size and everything. Uh, with uh, with an employee dashboard, it just all becomes really easy. Yeah,
0: that is so true, right? Excel mm-hmm. sheets are amazing, but only till a point. I'm a fan oh, of Excel sheets.
1: I'm a fan of spreadsheets, but. Uh, in in this case, I would say they just uh, become a little cumbersome and are prone to handle other. True.
0: True, yeah. Right. Um, so th- this question is about, can I transfer my options and ESOPs to anybody else um, that I want them to transfer? Can I do that in the current scenario?
1: Um, so you can declare nominees for your vested options so that they can be automatically transferred to your friends and family at the time of... Uh, your are unfortunate in capacity or death. Uh, if you've already exercised your options, so now you own your shares, you can transfer these shares to someone by issuing the share transfer certificate. Uh, but a lot of these scenarios are controlled by companies in their ESOP scheme. So again, uh, going through the clauses is really important for that.
0: Got it. Um, so you're saying that uh, the documentation of the transfer is very important. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to actually transfer this information. Right. right?
1: Uh, it's important yeah. for you to go through the clauses around uh, the transfer and nominee declaration. Uh, but generally, in the in in capacity, you know, in the in the case of uh, unfortunate death or incapacity of an employee, the vested options automatically get transferred to a to a family member or a friend if you. If you've declared a nominee in advance, uh, well and great. But otherwise, your family uh, or your immediate next to kin is given those, so that they and they are given a limited limited time to uh, exercise them or sell them, whatever the case may be.
0: Got it. Um, mm-hmm. So this would be included in the sheets. Is that's what you're saying? So the final pit set. Yeah. If you transfer them, and is there a difference between private and public, or is the same term no, for both of them? it's it's
1: mostly no. the same. Even in even in uh, even when you make investments on the public stock exchange, uh, they ask you to sign a nominee form, uh, mm. which ensures that uh, you know in uh, in unfortunate cases uh, who gets yeah. these. Uh, who gets these units? Who gets these securities in their name?
0: Yeah. I think this is the last question that we have, which is, um, can I uh, buy beyond what I'm offered right now in the startup, right? To buy a stock or something beyond what I'm offered. So, how could that happen in this scenario?
1: Okay. Um, so, startups raise funds through fundraising through fundraising or uh, venture capital funds and all of that so you can participate in funding rounds uh, that people hold but this will make you an investor in the company uh you do become a shareholder when you exercise shares when you exercise your esops you do become a shareholder on the capital of the company uh but uh in this case if you if you really want to invest an additional amount of sum as an investor in the company uh for this you will ha- you will have to be an accredited investor in the industry where you know where you have done previous investments, and you have a portfolio to show. And also, this this largely depends on if the company wants you to invest in them or it wants you to have, a, wants to have you on the cap table. Uh, so it depends largely on that. Uh, you can look at Angelist India syndicates if you're interested in getting broad exposure to the startup ecosystem. Uh, to obtain shares in a company at discounted rates like it happens in the case of ESOX, you need to mandatorily be employed in that company uh, at the given point at any given point yet.
0: Yeah. yeah got it i mean that nicely sums up a lot of uh, generic questions that a lot of people have but we do not have the material to actually nice. understand any of that so yes thank you so much for sharing the, all this um it's i think it's a treasure load of information that we should be aware of especially finance related stuff yeah. thank you so much thank you